Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I just want to tell you how pleased I am to know that you are finding this podcast to be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe in whatever platform you're listening to Devotional. This way you will be notified every time a new episode gets published. And don't forget to click on the links for all the free resources to get the most out of this podcast. Also, if a specific episode has been of special blessing to you, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones. Lastly, please consider becoming a regular supporter of this podcast. Even a 99 cents a month contribution would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to Devotional. We are on lesson number three, and this is day number seven for Friday, January 18th. Whew, man, I never thought I was going to get to the end of this week. I've just been struggling. <laughs> studying, reading commentaries, thinking, stretching my brain. What does this mean? And uh, it's been rich for me. I hope that in in spite of my clumsiness and uh, shortcomings that uh, some of the the juicy, beautiful uh, blessings that I've received have been conveyed to you and that you have been blessed by going through this week's study. Not simply looking at the churches, but how Jesus reveals himself to the churches. And we are the last one, Laodicea. If you are a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm willing to guess um, that out of all the seven churches, this is the church that you're most familiar with. Because pastors, uh, Seventh-day Adventist pastors, we love to preach about Laodicea because for now over a century, we have openly stated that we feel that that's us. Laodicea is us and we don't say it with pride necessarily. Maybe there's a pride that, hey, we know, we know for sure what church that one is, it's ours, but it's definitely not a church that we ought to, number one, be proud of. And I don't think anyone would say, yes, I'm proud to be, you know, lukewarm. And like I said on, the, on yesterday's podcast, this church doesn't make it. This is not the church that Jesus comes and says, yay, my lukewarm church. This church is not ready for the second coming of Christ, which is anticlimactic, right? We've seen how the church starts strong, then there's this huge dip into darkness and apostasy and rebellion, but then there's this comeback, right? And then Philadelphia, you think we're we're out of the woods, you think, yes, if, if Philadelphia is in this condition, certainly the last church right before Jesus comes is the most powerful, potent church, similar to the where the church started out victorious, going from victory to victory. Not so. Very anticlimactic ending to this sequence of the seven churches. It ends up lukewarm, mediocre, half-baked. Jesus presents himself in a way that I've never really invested time studying until this week. And therefore, all of these episodes are behind. Um, Jesus introduces himself to Laodicea in in three things, as three uh, object lessons. Number one, he says, I am the Amen. Number two, he describes himself as the faithful and true witness. And the last one, the last description of himself is the beginning of the creation of God. Why? What does this have to do with a lukewarm church? Well, I began to, of course, do what we've been saying we need to do. You want to understand what these mean? You have to go to not Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, YouTube, <laughs> definitely not that. To understand what these symbols mean, if you want to know, go to the Bible. And sometimes we'll go to the Old Testament, sometimes to the New. So this Amen, right, is a, it's a um, expression of agreement in Hebrew, uh, Amin. It could be translated as, so be it. So be it. I'm in agreement with, uh, I'm, in, I'm in favor or support of this. That's what Amen means. So when we close our prayers and someone is praying, we say Amen is, I agree with what the brother or the sister have just said. I'm, I'm supportive of this. So be it. Um, so Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Let me turn there real quick. There, this is one of the verses that came to my mind. Um, as I begin to think of how do I understand Jesus to being the Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For as many as are the promises of God in Jesus, they are Amen. Therefore also through Him is our Amen to the glory of God through us. Just focusing on that. For all the promises, for all the many promises of God in Jesus are so be it. They are the fulfillment. When you and I pray and we claim all, any of the promises that God the Father has left for us in His Word, any and all of those promises become an amen, become a yes in Jesus. So here's the question. Can you and I um, live our life down here without any of these promises. I mean, just think about that. It's not just the promise for, you know, protection, the promise for food, the promise for health. I'm talking about the promise for salvation, the promise of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. Um, all of these, and the promise that He made to Abraham. Could Abraham have been Abraham without the promises of God? And how did God fulfill those promises? In Jesus. He is the Amen to the promises of God. When I say, Father in heaven, please bless me with forgiveness, bless me with the Holy Spirit, you have promised the Holy Spirit any and all the promises that we claim to the Father in Jesus, in Jesus, we can say Amen. Yes, you will fulfill, you will hear, you will answer, and you will be faithful to your promises, which is the next statement, right? Faithful and true witness. So, in summary, because it is in Jesus that all of these promises can find their fulfillment, the, the, one of the major conclusions that we can come to is, you and I need Jesus. It's simple, isn't it? If He is the Amen, and without Jesus there is no Amen, then I need Jesus. Because He is the Amen, He is faithful and true witness. I'm going to read one verse from Job chapter 16 and verse 19. Job chapter 16 and verse 19. Uh, sorry, the pages are sticking again. Job chapter 16 and verse 19 says, Even now behold, my witness is in heaven, and my advocate is on high. Jesus is the faithful witness that will uh, make sure that every time we come in His name, to claim any and all of the promises of God, that it will be fulfilled. He is the, the guarantor, the, the one that guarantees that all of the promises that God has left in His Word will be fulfilled to each and every one of His children because He is the Amen. The last one, 
the beginning of create of the creation of God. We have individuals that struggle with this because they want to just you know take it at English value. Uh, other translations actually makes it a little bit clearer. And if even if you didn't right, if you didn't have other translations, if you just compare scriptures with scriptures, you would find complete harmony and understanding. Now. John, the Apostle John, wrote the book of Revelation, and he also wrote the Gospel of John. What did, Jesus, what did John mean that Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God? Um, it's John chapter 1, verse 1, is immediately came to my mind when I asked that question. Uh, what does Paul, John mean? What could have he meant when the Holy Spirit inspired him to write the beginning of the creation of God? John 1, 1 begins with, in the beginning. I think we're going to find some answers here. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's no ambiguity here. Jesus was not created, so He was not the first thing God created, which is one of the interpretations that people give to that phrase, the beginning of God's creation, so the creations of God. Here it says that Jesus was God. In the beginning, He was with God, and He was God since then and before that. In John 17, we see that. Um, verse 3 says, All things came into existence through Him, and apart from Him, nothing that came into being has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. When John writes that He is the beginning of the creations of God, it just simply means that everything that has, uh, everything that has been created finds its beginnings finds their origins in Jesus because through Him, everything was created. He is the originator of everything that has been created. Through Christ, everything that has been created has been created. Nothing uh, that has not been created is because He hasn't. He is the, originer, uh, the originator, the, uh, the creator of everything. That's all that means. So what does all that have to do <laughs> with Laodicea, right? Well, I've already hinted at, at this. Jesus is the Amen. He's the reason why we can pray with confidence. We need Him. He is the faithful and true witness in heaven. We have no other one. There is no other name under heaven given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus. So we need Him. And He is the originator. He, his, he is the source of life. He is our creator. We need Him. So through these three declarations, self-revelations of Jesus, the conclusion to each one of them is, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. Why would Jesus <laughs> introduce himself in this fashion, three times strongly manifesting himself as the greatest need of humanity and to this church as the greatest need for this church? Why would Jesus do that? Revelation 3.17. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, this church says, Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Jesus wants this church to rethink that statement. Jesus looks at this church and recognizes their problem is not theological. Their problem is not persecution. Uh, their problem is not Jezebel or Balaam. None of those things. This problem is internal. 
With the other churches, most of the problems were external problems, persecutions, accusations of those that say that are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, external, external, external. They would see a struggle is an internal struggle, a struggle of a deep, um, uh, almost imperceptible conviction that I'm okay. I'm not a bad person. Hey, I come to church regularly. Hey, I give, I do. You don't know, says Jesus, that you need me. You know, it's, it's, um, there's something about love, right? There's something about being in love with someone that provokes in some, inside of me something that was not there before. Um, before I met the lean, I did not know that I needed the lean. And it's weird to say it. Uh, of course, we need Jesus. <laughs> That's the point of this church. But I'm trying to use this as an illustration. But we have now gone past 10 years of marriage. And looking back at my life, I see that I have become a much, much, much better human being because of the lean in my life. What a blessing. So in that sense, I have to recognize that I need her. I needed her and I didn't know. And God has used this precious woman to reveal things about myself that needed uh, transformation, grace, <laughs> grace, 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 uh, tremendous changes inwardly that I was not aware of before. So granted, at first, these revelations were not pleasant, but it's been 10 years. And looking back, I recognize how much I've changed and how, in, in speaking in you know, human terms, as far as a human being, uh, yes, I, I need my wife. She's been such a blessing for me. I don't need her to cook meals for me. I don't need her to do my laundry. I don't need her to, it's different. But you and I have degraded our relationship with Jesus to, I need him when I'm sick. I need him when I fin have financial problems. I need him when there's a tragedy. So Jesus becomes this divine spare tire in my life. But you and I, once the problems dissolve or I try and I figure out how to solve the problem, Jesus takes a back seat, if at all. And my, my, I, keep, I keep living my life as a Christian as if I don't need Jesus. What a paradox. What a description of the end time church, the church right before Jesus comes, self-sufficient, self-confident. So this is beautiful for me because Jesus is not coming with uh, recriminatory, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you, 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 you know, lousy church. How, do you, how could you not believe that you need me? Jesus simply presents himself in real ways. Um, you don't know that all the promises that I have left for you in the scriptures I am the reason they can be fulfilled. You need me. You don't know that in heaven, you can't come to the Father in your righteousness. You can't show the Father all the money you give to the church or all that you do to the church. No, none of that will ever avail you uh, uh, the, the ear of the Father. Only through me. No one can come to the Father except through me. And you yourself, you owe your existence to me. Nothing that has come into being 
has come into being without me. I formed you. I created you. And today, I'm giving you life. Without me, you would not even exist. So two questions. Two last questions. Do you know right now, do you know you need Jesus? And more importantly, do you believe that you need Jesus? Do you believe that you need Jesus? Only you can answer that question. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.